0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Crash Course here at Rosedale Bible College. It's a podcast where uh, we examine one of the courses that are, that's taught here at Rosedale. My name is Jeremy Miller, I serve as president here at Rosedale Bible College, and I'm really pleased to have with us today Dion Peachy who uh, is teaching a winter term course here at Rosedale called Engaging Contemporary Culture. So welcome, Dion. Hey, thanks. Uh, It's really cool to be here with you guys today. Yeah, well, Dion, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the course. It'd be nice to know a little bit about who you are.
1: Sure. Well, thanks. Um, So I'm Dion. Uh, My wife is Nati, and we have uh, two children Gabby, our daughter, is a student here at Rosedale, and Marcus, our son, is a senior at Shekinah Christian School here in the area. And um, I was a student here back a while ago, and one (laughs) of the things that I focused on, I kind of came and went out of Rosedale Bible College and the REACH program back and forth, uh, but my focus was in missions. And so that was the beginning of learning how to do this thing called missions that I knew was a call that God had given and I wanted to get actively engaged in, but didn't really know what I was doing. And uh, so out of that, studying here, then eventually uh, we started working in church planting in Columbus, Ohio, as a family, and working mostly with Hispanic community in Columbus, Ohio, from there, we served five years in Ecuador as well. My wife, Nati is from Venezuela. We always thought we would be serving in missions in Venezuela, but God hasn't opened that door up yet. Who knows? Might happen sometime. So kind of that's the the context of uh, experience coming and then they're like, okay, engaging contemporary
0: culture. All right. Hey, we'll give it a go. <laughs> Well, you seem qualified at least uh, both educationally and uh, in your career to have something to say uh, to this particular course, and so I'm glad our students get to hear from you. So Engaging Contemporary Culture is the course. Can you give us just a brief overview of of what that means? Sure.
1: Yeah, so um, I like to think maybe I might be sort of qualified to have something to say, uh, I think maybe I'm more qualified to have some questions to ask. That's what, how I've kind of looked at this course and, and what can we do with it. And so overview would be, um, I want the students to, uh, first of all, learn how to figure out culture, right? Because if we're engaging contemporary culture, culture, I think, is at the, the base of that. So discovering culture and then discovering things related to our culture that are current, uh, that's what's going on in culture right now uh, that are challenges that we're facing. And then the engaging piece is, okay, uh, this is what's going on. How can we take what's going on and what we know about following Jesus and being members of the kingdom of God to influence our culture. So, and the way I've looked at that, um, the first thing, the, the process that we're trying to work through is first of all, noticing, which is like awareness of what is happening uh, through being good observers. Um, and then out of that awareness, looking for understanding. Uh, how can we understand what we're, what we're seeing and start to pull out looking for like, what are the, the, the deep cultural things happening here? What, what are values that are there? What are identities that are there that people have? And then from understanding, looking to engage and then engaging out of love, out of passion for our relationship with God and being knowing that we are loved by him, knowing that love is also for everyone around us. And so how can we engage others in love? And then what I hope is, you know that, that we can be engaging in love, sharing gospel, sharing the good news, and that that can be something that those that we engage continue to share and to spread into, um, Cultural groups of people that we're reaching out to.
0: So, as I hear you, the process you're hoping to help our students work through is to notice, to understand, and then to engage. That's right. Yeah. So, Dion, um, as I mean, you've spent time in other cultures. Then, uh, is there a particular piece of this? Just call it for lack of a better. Uh, a <laughs> term three-step process <laughs> that you think is most difficult for particularly north american christians to to take part in
1: so i think one thing that we don't know is that we are we are living and acting in a culture already like our culture has influenced us And that is the way we see things. And so as we get to a new place and around other people, we are continually saying that culture is what those people have. And we are not realizing that culture is also what I have. And my way of seeing, my way of looking at things is going to be continually influencing how I'm perceiving what is going on around me. Okay, so I think that's the, a big challenge that we always have. And, uh,
0: and that messes with both awareness and understanding, or which one in particular?
1: Um, probably both, but starting with awareness, because we start to classify things in the way that, of how we would look at them. And the most uh, challenging piece of it all is we are great at judging scenarios and putting like judgments on what we're seeing because of what we experience and what we believe. And our way of judging even is a way that we've learned and we're going to be using because of the culture that we're coming from.
0: Hmm.
1: And and the way of, of judging and evaluating in that context may be different. It... it might not be the same way that we look at things.
0: Is there, uh, can you point to a particular instance in your own life or if you don't want to get that personal uh, that you've seen more broadly that that illustrates or highlights that tendency in us?
1: So one of the things, and this is just a personal challenge right now in working with uh, a different organization. In my normal way of operating and the way my culture usually works is I look at things uh, working in teams for, uh, for inclusion of multiple ideas to try to make something move forward uh, in what's going to happen. In a situation that I need to be working in right now uh, the way that a different organization works isn't so much in teams, but but is more in like an an or organizational structure that is led by let's say one or two people, and they are the ones leading the charge forward, right? And uh, and I'm a part of that organizational structure, but I'm down under these other people that are leading it forward we're not so much in a circle in a team way of looking at how to do it that's a challenge okay like I and I have to constantly stop myself from saying my way is better we need to do it this way Um, and I have to say both ways work so let's make it work
0: okay Okay, so for you, that's even um, it's it's noticing that, becoming aware of that, and then of course, how do you engage that in love? Yeah, 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 and that's uh, using sort of your (laughs) current reality. Uh, Yeah, 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 and so then, what
1: I want um, in this class is that students can 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 start to realize that there are. Other ways of seeing that are completely different uh, from what they're used to thinking, seeing, and looking at, and not be scared of that. Like the way that we can bring influence in any sphere, in any way, anybody around us is through relationship. And the only way that we can get to relationship is by engaging with people too. And so, I think uh, that whole process, hopefully students can, like part of the whole noticing deal as well is also noticing what God is doing in that situation. So our noticing is with our eyes, but our noticing is also with our ears, listening to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying when we're in a different new situation of what is happening. So doing that, then um, asking and processing like, how can I understand through their perspective, not just understanding it through my perspective? And then how can I connect? Like, I I need to get closer and build relationship with people first to be able to to share who Jesus is uh, with them. So,
0: so Dion, uh, I don't want to get us too far off course, but one of the things that strikes me about this is— one of the tensions that I feel in that to so sort of move through life, a person has to develop the capacity to make accurate judgments about situations and situations that you encounter. And not just accurate, but the more timely you can make those judgments, uh, the more sort of freedom you have to, like, move through life and not get stuck in a situation or a place. And that in but in the context, though, of learning to love people uh, whose culture is different than yours, that that all slows to a grinding halt. If, yeah. if we're to, like, take seriously your course <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: no it does it does and i am so i'm gonna throw something out here uh one of the american values that i ascribe to incredibly is efficiency okay <laughs> which is
0: sort of what i was hinting at yes yeah.
1: like but and, and and so that is something that we are always looking for right. how can we do this just a little bit quicker and a little bit better um right? I need to let that go. (laughs) I need to slow down. We all need to do that. But if there is an answer into this, maybe, I would say that it is, and this isn't a slow process, but it's going to be through a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's going to be through connecting with an insider. So when Given the new scenario that I must now adjust to, and I need to know how to respond in this place at this time, I need an insider. If I just start going and doing what I think I need to be doing without bouncing some ideas off of processing with another person uh, through it, it's probably not going to work out as well. And then in the end, I'll be spending a whole bunch of time trying to repair all of the mistakes that I've just made. And so how efficient was that? Exactly.
0: Right. So the efficiency, if, if you're trying to move through this process quickly on the front end, is going to cost you on the back end, which sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dion, could you talk a little bit about—I'd be curious to hear, and I think our listeners would too—areas <clears throat> of uh, susceptibility— uh, for people in sort of a North American evangelical or Protestant might be a better a better word. a North American Protestant culture. Uh, what are the what are the key mistakes that we usually make? Yeah, So
1: um, a joke that we tell uh, sometimes relating to other cultures is if, uh, if somebody knows three languages, then they're called trilingual. If somebody knows two languages, then we would call them bilingual. Somebody knows one language, what would we call them? American. (laughs) That's kind of hard to hear. Uh, that's that's a, a, a linguistics joke that's used. And a phrase that I've learned in Spanish is behind, behind every joke, there's a little bit of truth. And so I think one of the challenges that we have is one way of seeing, one way of thinking. And often, and when there's only one way of looking at something, then that means it's the best way. And so, thinking that the way we are doing something, we have done something, is the best way to do it. And so, then moving forward, uh, just working in that way, um, and in a lot of um, what I believe and can end up happening in in evangelical Protestant evangelical Christianity is we we look to operate out of things that we are certain are right and 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 going doing things because of conviction that this is the right way and we must do it this way. Um, that is a good thing, but if it's the only way that we're operating, it can um, exclude ourselves from seeing someone else uh, and and moving forward. And I think, operating relating to people not so much out of this is the right way but trying to ask the question what is the loving way what is the way that jesus would respond in this scenario what did jesus do in some of the situations that he was in when he had incredible opportunity to show the right way and and make those judgment calls but instead of making judgments he decided to love and ask questions and try to understand what was happening there. And then out of that, the Holy Spirit makes a change in the situation and in the person that he's sharing with so that something completely different can come out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. When it comes to... Um... Uh, what? Well, let me let me back up. What I hear you saying is is that slowing down to observe and, and asking questions is really key, and that speaks to the understanding piece as well. But is there is there more that we get caught up with uh, in understanding, or are there pieces of understanding that would be helpful for us to understand in this conversation? <laughs> Uh, That would allow us to do that even better.
1: Yeah. um, I think that getting to understanding is an incredibly difficult uh, work that we need to do. And so I think the pieces related to it do have to do with, with stopping and slowing down. Um, so this is something else that's that's in the course. is something that I've learned uh, through studies I've done as well. Something that's called ethnography. Ethno being ethnic groups, cultures, people, right? What's going on? Graphy being writing, um, putting it together. You are just trying to be an observer. And, and write about what you're seeing.
0: Almost like a scientific approach. You're, exactly. You're not, you're not making any judgments or evaluations. You're only saying, here's what actually is. Yes. Okay.
1: And so I believe that an ethnographic approach to uh, culture at the beginning mm-hmm. is something that, that can be helpful and can help us start to understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... I'm having the students do that. Like we're doing two different ethnographic reports uh, in the class. So Mm. they're actually practicing these things out. Mm. Um, In one is strictly being an observer. The other one is being a participant observer. So like observing, but also trying to engage at the same time. And so how can I be the third eye back looking on this scenario? What am I thinking about? What's going on over here? But at the same time, I am one of the voices in the conversation, okay? So really trying to analyze from not a 30,000-foot view, but, you know, at least I'm I'm back somewhere up in the corner looking down on what's going on, and then being intentional about listening to what's being said, picking up tone of voice of what is going on, and, and trying to get down to what do what does this group of people really want? What what is really important to them? What do they really value? Mm. And so, through observation, and then asking questions, coming to understanding, I think that's something that's pretty important: mm. is really paying attention to details um, in in how we're watching and in how we're listening.
0: It- takes me back to being a 16-, 17-, 18-year-old and going on cross-cultural mission trips. And, you know, the topic of lots of discussion was, why do they do it this way? That's just crazy. What if they would do this? And, how? like, why do people live like this or that? And I have to wonder what it would have been like or how much our perspective would have changed or how much more helpful we could have been having come in as simply observers
1: right i think before we ask the why question we have to take the time to ask the what question Mm -hmm. and if we don't say what is happening here
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what is going on who are the actors who is who is doing what Mm -hmm. who seems to have most influence in this scenario um and and, and, and accept that it may be working in a different way than what we're used to seeing mm-hmm. uh, and, and make sure that we really understand what is going on before we ask the questions of, okay, how did that just happen? And then, <laughs> then we should be able to ask a why question. But when we go in with our why question first, mm-hmm. because we've suddenly seen something that's completely different to what we expect, mm-hmm. then we don't even pay attention to what's happening.
0: Yeah. You mm-hmm. may you may understand why at some point and at some level, but if you don't know the what and the who and right. some of those other and questions. And we might
1: understand the why from our point of view. That's right. But we don't understand the why from the insider, like why they did what they did mm-hmm. in their shoes and in their context.
0: So I'm curious, uh, what kind of time frame should a person expect to need to be in a particular culture before they can really begin to legitimately understand why questions?
1: You know, I don't think I can give an answer to that. Um, And uh, I have to say just the the thought of time frame (laughs) is uh, a pretty Western North American idea. Uh, right. And so, and, and I think, and even in this, so here's something related to, to language acquisition theory in language acquisition, there is something called silent period, like someone learning a new language is going to be silent for a while and what they've figured out is if they didn't do that, they're going to keep messing up a whole bunch as they keep going through the language. They're going to have to be silent a little bit because, shoot, you can't understand a language the first day. But the relationship of how long a silent period is for picking up a language often means that the person has put more pieces together to be able to use the language in a better way down the road. In the class as well, um, we're talking about not just language, but language culture as a word where Language is our entry into culture. So what we're doing, you know, what we're doing is mostly North American culture. And yeah, the language that people are observing and everything is English. We're doing ethnographies on people using English uh, because we're not really using other languages. But that language is like the the doorway into what's going on in culture. And so I think related Mm -hmm. to that, how long is it going to take? It's going to be different because of how complex different cultures are. And if we go into it with the mentality of, it must be done in this amount of time, then we're probably going to mess up that process. Yeah, Uh,
0: You know, Dion, this reminds me of times when I have been in a particular group of people, and the new person shows up. And uh, generally... I've discovered that if they are observers, it will take them less time and they'll acclimate to the group quicker Mm. than if they come in and are dominating the conversation. Mm. uh, They usually just miss the entire group. Yeah. I think um, you just hit
1: on, like, if, if you can adopt that practice, then you're learning how to engage contemporary culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, engage contemporary culture, engage any other culture. If we don't go in with an observer mentality first, that just accepting that a new group, a new group is a new culture. And so we need to stop talking a little bit (laughs) and just watch and listen. And then we should be able to add something that has more
0: value into that, that group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's fascinating. Have you, uh, Have you had other overseas experiences, perhaps, uh, with missionaries that have tested these theories for you?
1: So um, I guess I'm just... uh, Other overseas experiences would be uh, we've been many, many places where we're speaking Spanish all the time. And so we decided to dedicate quite a bit of money and quite a bit of time to do a family vacation to Asia and visit China and Thailand, mm. where none of us in our family of four like knew what was going on or knew the languages. Um, we had uh, cause my kids have grown up bilingual. We speak Spanish and English all the time at home. And so all of a sudden being in this other context was jarring. Mm. Um, and it, it was interesting how each of us responded in different ways, uh, to, to adapt to that context and to see it, uh, in our family. And I think, um, in using it. Yeah. Like I think I maybe said good morning to one person after two weeks in China and all I would say in Thailand was high because I had only been there one week. So like the interaction, the engagement was completely stopped. Like we Mm. had to realize we can't do anything here. Like Mm. we have to, this is really important that we stop and observe and just see what's going on. And that was literally all we could do in, Mm. in that amount of time that we were there. Mm. But I feel like just forcing ourselves to do that. Um, helped us now to see things in completely different ways. And there's still just those experiences of going into other contexts and other cultures. There's still times that I might be driving through Columbus and have an image in my brain of what it looked like to be in China. You know, there's there's times that we were going along the road in Ecuador, different places, and saying, this looks just like that place where we were in Thailand, okay? And so... Those experiences start to reshape our frames and help us rebuild our frames of reference where we are uh, as well, to remember that what we're seeing and what we're doing here isn't everything. There is much, much more. So.
0: And those experiences forced you to, to slow down. I, I, I keep hearing that, that if we're going to benefit others... There has to be a a pause on our sort of aggressive—our tendency to aggressively push forward to accomplish whatever it is we think we need to accomplish. We
1: love objectives. Yeah. We certainly do. And I think that that is something when it comes to um, mission and expanding the kingdom of God that I've also noticed in working with a lot of people engaged in mission— is that there are objectives and expectations that we set. And we want to be accomplished by the people engaged in that mission and in what's going on. And that has led to some frustration in people that I've worked with that are serving overseas. And serving overseas and doing something that um, is pretty incredible work to be engaging because there's a lot of front-end work of the observing and understanding that's got to be happening, and they're starting to get there, and they're starting to get relationships. But the expectation of folks that sent them uh, has some objectives that are different than what they're able to accomplish in, in what they're doing in that context. Uh-huh. But these objectives have been set based on the sending context mm-hmm. and what is expected there without really a lot of um, experience within the the the, the goers context or, or where they are. So that's something that that I I have seen and I've had to work with yeah and uh, and there is progress that sometimes isn't seen as progress mm-hmm. but we have to remember that what we are called to be doing is that we are engaged in, God's mission, Mm -hmm. his mission and his objectives and his expectations are what we need to be following in whatever context we are in, instead of what we may set that we think is our mission and the objectives that we think need to happen.
0: And that means that it's his timetable. Precisely. Mm Mm-hmm. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Even just time.
1: We had an entire wonderful conversation about time. The you, way we look at time, the way other cultures look at time, even the way individuals look at time. Just our idea of time is, wow, there's there's a way huge spectrum of the way we're going to live it out. And then we've got God's time. Like, none of us can comprehend God's <laughs> time.
0: You're saying you had this conversation in the classroom, yes, with students,
1: yes, because we were looking at the way the way we do time, even in uh, the South, in the United States, in the North in the United States, um, Latino time, African time, uh, Asian time, European time. Like there's so many different times of of how we we do things, and then there was even this interesting idea uh, in the book we were reading about a. An indigenous group that doesn't even measure time in any way, and I was like, "Whoa, that's really, really different." Say more. What What do you mean? Does not measure time. So, um, how do I explain it? Like it was, it, time is just something. I guess uh, experiences happen, and that's the way you look at it. So you this he, happens and this happens and it just this runs into this and this runs into that, but you're not really looking at it as uh this happened in this frame like in this space and in this time it
0: just was a continuous continuous ongoing chain of events so you might refer to a particular experience as kind of the where you lodge something important or
1: yeah i mean i didn't like it didn't go into like how do people go back to remember things in time? Because I yeah. think that's part of it. Like, I would think yeah. I don't know, but I am not in that context yeah. to to know how they frame yeah. important life experiences. But just the the thought of of measuring time, keeping time, um, days, weeks, months, hours, that kind of thing, isn't something that they
0: practiced regularly. Yeah, it just experiences go on. Fascinating. And that's it. Fascinating. So uh, I'm curious, which cultures are most concerned with time and careful tracking of time? And uh, setting aside this culture you're just referring to, which cultures would be least concerned about that, that that we would be more familiar with?
1: Yeah, I'm going to use just um, a generalization Mm -hmm. here, I think. Um, There's a a book that's called Foreign to Familiar uh, that I recommend to anybody that just wants to look at this a little bit more. And the comparison that uh, the author uses, she was a worker in YWAM and served many different places around the world, is the comparison of cold culture climates and warm culture climates. And so that's kind of a general way that I can frame this, right? Right. And so in general, in cold culture climates, uh, time is of the essence. And in warm culture climates, Uh, the momentives of the essence Mm -hmm. and uh, so what's going on in this moment uh, is more important than thinking about some other scheduled event that we maybe are supposed to do
0: or get to. And the reason for the cold culture is because you're forced to plan ahead like you've got to put stuff away for the winter so time matters that you use it so that you have food to survive a hard winter is that the theory? Yes that would be
1: the theory. It was it was interesting to have this conversation with my father in law, who, you know, is from Venezuela from a warm culture climate. And when he when he came into uh, North American climate and saw what was going on and for the first time, like all of this was really, really interesting to him, like canning. Now, wait a minute. Interesting or unsettling? No, actually he quite liked it. Okay. So he's an engineer. Okay. Um in his profession, precision is important. Okay. And so seeing that things could be as precise as they are and having not seen that before was something that was quite attractive to him. Huh. And and so that was yeah, he was he was really excited about it. Hmm. Although I could see at other times there may be people that see that and like don't want anything to do with it. Right. Uh yeah. All depends on where you're coming from and what you want to do with
0: it. (laughs) So he didn't react against that. No, because what's lost often is uh, warm culture climates. There's a different sort of relational connection and warmth. It seems, at least to my observation. Maybe you'd speak differently to that, but
1: no, that's generally the trend. I mean, and and uh, the key at at the heart of a, a warm culture usually are those relationships and, and you're valuing relationships over, um, projects Mm -hmm. and things that, that you're, you're going to be working on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Just one of those contrasts. And so, yeah. So then
0: the way we look at time is completely different.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: What I'm curious, how did the students respond? Like, what are the light bulb moments you've seen in the students as you've worked through this course? And by the way, maybe I should preface this question by saying our winter term courses are only six weeks long. So we have a fall semester at Rosedale Bible College, and then we have a winter term that's a sort of six-week set of courses, and then a spring semester. So this is kind of a unique period in time at Rosedale Bible College in the, in the course of the academic year. So you're teaching one of these, you're halfway through this course, I'm curious what you see happening in the students as they're processing this information.
1: Yeah, it seems like uh, you said this podcast is called Crash Course. It seems like we're kind of in a crash course in this <laughs> because of doing it in uh, in six weeks. Some of the things that I believe are starting to, it's like some light bulbs that are coming on that I'm seeing is some of the students actually identifying specific people, and if not people, then groups of people, and ways that they could establish relationships with people that they don't have yet mm. as a way to to connect and to understand and share the kingdom. Mm. So I've, I've started to see that in some of uh, things happening in class, also the writing, discussion boards, that kind of thing. And so I think those that is... Uh, something that I want to see happen. Oh, and notice, that's a relational objective. I didn't even think about that until right now. <laughs> but I really, I, I believe it so much that I want to see our students intentionally building relationships in new ways with new people that maybe seemed a little overwhelming, seemed a little challenging before starting this. Um, so I hope that can continue.
0: It seems to me that it is one of the gifts uh, that brings maturity when you have uh, people that are able to interact with somebody else cross culturally. Yeah,
1: that is uh, certainly true. Like, I feel you, it, the, the idea of, of maturing into that process uh, is, is really important. And, and maturity only comes out of experience like previous experience and so it's it's a step from it's just it's another step down the road from where you are and if you're but when you're going somewhere that is even more completely different from what you're used to you have to take some little steps along the way to 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 encounter differences that aren't quite um as as vast or you know as big to be able to get there
0: Well, Dion, I've appreciated so much our conversation today. Uh, Is there anything else that you think would be helpful as we think about engaging contemporary culture that you would say to the wider church, not just the students that are here at Rosedale Bible College? So something that I believe is, uh, that I want us to see as
1: a church is how this was going on biblically all the time. And I think we often... I know for me personally, I'm not going to throw a we out there. I know that I've kind of just looked at Jesus and said, oh, Jesus did this and this and this and this. And he was really awesome. And look at how he engaged in that context. But we've got to remember, like, Noah did it. Abraham did it. Joseph did it. David did it. Like, Esther, Daniel, Nehemiah, Jonah. Like, we have so many biblical narratives of engaging culture that we need to pay attention to.
0: Well, Dion, thanks so much for your time. And that's such a good word to end on. We'll see you all back later for the next episode of Crash Course. Have a good day.